Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today we're starting a new project with a previous set of guests named Ed and Cynthia. I've received requests from people saying, what about me? I don't have a pension plan. I haven't saved a lot for retirement. What about me? I feel like your shows are only for people who have saved a lot of money. And that's not true. The Rocky Retirement Show started in 2016 to explore all the things that all of us need to think about for retirement. So I'm pleased to tell you that if you are one of the people who are thinking about retiring and think maybe you can't retire because you didn't save enough money, the Ed and Cynthia portions of these podcasts are going to be for you. And I will name them so that you can tell when you download the podcast whether or not this is an Ed and Cynthia show. So this will be ongoing, and I hope you enjoy it. Ed and Cynthia, welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. How long has it been? Um, A couple of years, I think. Two or three years, (laughs) pre-COVID. Oh, man, I that's been a while because we've been with COVID for a long time. Seems like almost forever (laughs) that we've been with COVID. So I'm going to refresh the memory of the listener. And if you're a new listener, you can go back to the um, back episodes and you can listen to the episode that we did with Ed and Cynthia, who basically, if I remember correctly, travel the world living on a social security income. Is that sort of the gist of it? That's been the gist for almost the last two years. We've lived abroad for almost 13. Wow. Wow. So so tell me, pretend like we've never talked before. How do you do that? How do you live abroad on a social security income? That That seems really difficult. I've heard it's so hard to live just on social security. People are working until they're like 85 years old now to try to make ends meet. Well, it's, it's kind of like uh, 
kind of like real estate, it's all about the location, Kathy. So we, we picked a great location uh, almost 13 years ago with a low cost of living. And that's how we've been able to have this fantastic life abroad. Well, tell us what your location is. Where, where do you live now? <laughs> well, since we're traveling full time, it's funny. People ask us all the time since we are doing what we're doing. So where do you live? And the answer is here. Because we, <laughs> what we did two years ago in this March, we put all of our stuff in storage in Cuenca, Ecuador, where we lived prior and where our stuff obviously still lives. So we, we're homeless on purpose. Homeless has negative connotation, but in this case, we're doing it for a specific reason. So, yeah, at the moment, we're speaking to you from Buenos Aires. Wow, that's exciting. Okay, now I have a burning question since we brought up COVID. Yes. What happened during COVID? I've heard it's a lot worse areas other than the United States. There was bigger lockdowns than what we had here. So do you mind just spending a little bit of time telling us how how your COVID, and you can be honest here, tell us the good, the bad, and the ugly. What happened during COVID? Well, it seems like forever ago now, but um, we were we were in Ecuador uh, living. We had a, a, a trip planned back to the States that spring of 2020. 20, yeah. yeah, 2020. Ecuador pretty much and pretty quickly followed what happened in the States. They were very strict about lockdown. And I ended up, ended up Ecuador had a great result because of that. They, they didn't have a wait and see attitude. And the, the people living in Ecuador um, just did exactly what they were told to do. And that, as you know, that didn't happen in the States. <laughs> Did not happen in the U.S. at all. <laughs> we've gone over the 12 years that we've lived in Ecuador from being party animal monsters just about to a much more low-key lifestyle. We couldn't, we couldn't hang with ourselves. But <laughs> so for us, in a lot of ways, COVID, our daily life wasn't that much different because we didn't do that much anyway. You were only supposed to go to the grocery store, the bank, or the pharmacy for the first whatever. It wasn't terribly long, but for a while. And that was a pain because um, the, our grocery store had recently cl closed right before this happened for remodeling. So we were having to go to a different one. And there was the lines out the door and you had to wait and get sprayed and all this kind of business. So lot, lots of rules, but we were able to follow those rules. And the funny thing, like Ed said, we because we uh, work online a lot, we, we write and run a, web, a website and we do all of that from our home. So uh, we weren't as inconvenienced as a lot of other people, I guess, were. But still, the walls started closing in, and uh, Ed was, when he had to get out of the apartment, he was either going to the store or going to the bank or going to the pharmacy, whether he was or not. Yeah, that was my story, and I was, <laughs> that was, my story and I was sticking with it. But actually, no one ever, there was no, you know, Gestapo patrols out. But, it was no big deal. But the same, masking, uh, a, lot of, a lot of businesses had to close and suffered. 
economically because of COVID, but that's rebounding now, uh, and and that's a good thing. We're we're happy about that, and the government seems to be taking, um, I guess, strides to improve the economic condition in Ecuador. Yeah, so it was really tough for a few months, then it started loosening up, and when we were able to, in September of that year, to travel, that spring trip happened. So we were inconvenienced basically for a period of six months, which wasn't horrible. And you were able to get the vaccines because here it sounded like the Americans were hogging all the vaccines and then they weren't taking them and they weren't getting to other parts of the world. Did you find that to be the case? Well, what happened is we talked to our primary care physician in Ecuador and when we knew we were going to be able to travel back to the States, we asked about the vaccine. It was a little bit slow getting to Ecuador. And he said, go ahead and get it in the States since you're going to go anyway, because we're not sure when it will be available here to the general public, because the healthcare workers had priority over the vaccines that came to Ecuador. So you were able to travel to the United States without a vaccine at that point? Yeah, that, that's right. We got tested. Uh, they set okay. up test sites just like in the U.S. So we were able to get tested to get on that plane. And we did. Uh, so we we continued to try to live our life as best we could, despite COVID. <laughs> I guess. We all were right. But I mean, I had, uh, you know, I know people that live in the Philippines and one person in particular said he wasn't even allowed to go outside to walk. And so he got very depressed during COVID in the Philippines. You know, I've heard of people who came back to the United States during that time period because I, I don't know why COVID was everywhere, you know, whether it was in the U.S. or other countries. But the U.S. seemed to be a lot less strict on their enforcement. And that's probably one of the reasons why. It, it took so long. The Far East was the most restrictive anywhere. I mean, mm -hmm. Thailand and Malaysia were one of the last countries to open their borders. So yeah. they, I mean, China, they've been wearing masks before COVID. Yeah. So, you know, that's just a way of life over there and not for us. So I can understand the people in those countries that just couldn't take it anymore. But we, we, so we got creative with our family online. We discovered gaming. Uh, we, we even helped uh, over Zoom with a couple of our grandkids with their uh, at-home schooling. So, oh, wow. yeah, so we really did get creative, and as a lot of people did, and we found ways to stay in touch with our family. It worked out, but we're all glad that it's uh, it's in the past. Just to bring this COVID thing to a close, because we don't want to talk about that the whole time. A lot of people did a lot of big reevaluation during that time of being in their walls of about their life. We had been a little bit thinking that it was time to do something different. And after basically wasting a year of our lives, and we're not kids, so that was an important thing, we came to the conclusion that um, we really needed to do something different. So that was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back for us to change from what a lot of people considered our perfect life in Ecuador yeah. to 
to shutting it all down and living out of uh, carry-ons and backpacks, which is our current lifestyle. Yeah. So uh, we uh, in January, we had this uh, big discussion about, okay, what are we going to do next? And our grandchildren were old enough where we felt like they knew us and we always wanted to travel. But because of our social security budget, we all of our travel dollars went to going to North Carolina and New Jersey, back and forth from Ecuador for the decade, just visiting our family and our grandchildren. So we decided, again, based on our budget, if we didn't have the overhead of maintaining an apartment in Ecuador when we weren't there, we would have enough extra money to spend on plane tickets. And, you know, no matter where you go, you, you have to buy groceries. So that wasn't a consideration. Uh, and we uh, discovered through Airbnb an affordable option of private rooms that are much cheaper than renting a whole place. So we booked that first trip and didn't look back. <laughs> Wow. That's great. So, so when you go on a trip, how long do you usually stay? I mean, you're on a trip, you're on like a permanent trip right now, right? right. Your stuff is in Ecuador in storage though. Yes. Yes. Our, our things still live in Ecuador. We will always be permanent residents of Ecuador. And over the past few years, we've gone back multiple times just when we were kind of tired of all the new of traveling and just rented an Airbnb and there not, not gotten our stuff out of storage, but just for the familiarity and, and the low cost of living. Plus there's nothing wrong with Ecuador. We love Ecuador. Well, we talked about the fact that, you know, I had been looking into Cuenca. Of course, I still haven't been there. There's no way that we would move there now, but who knows? Maybe it's in the cards for the future. So you're traveling and you're paying for Airbnb. You're not doing trusted house sitter or anything like that? No, because that always involves animals. Usually. Right. It's kind of hard to to do traveling. A bit. Like to, in the morning, we're getting on a plane and going to Guazu Falls for a long weekend to celebrate my birthday. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that with a, a pet. So no. Restrictive for us. But back to you, you were asking, and we got off subject, which will probably happen a hundred times. We started out doing two-week increments in places. Like we went our first place we went was Mexico for two and a half months, basically because that was the only place you could go when COVID started unravel. I mean, the, the restrictions started unraveling a little bit. So we're like, all right, let's go to Mexico. So we went to five different places there or something. And that trip, that was our first one. And it was kind of a beat down to tell you the truth, because we were exhausted. Yeah, just (laughs) it was it was two changing locations too quick. And it was just hard. We knew where well, in some cases we didn't even know where we were going exactly, but that's another story. (laughs) We've now decided that at our age, when which is, you know, above sixty-five. Okay. We're doing at least a month now in a place. And here, we're here for two months. We were in Columbia for two months before the holidays. So a month or more is just, it's a better pace for us. Well, and in that case, Kathy, what we do is we do get 
an entire apartment. We would not be as comfortable just having a room and access to common areas for that amount of time. So we we learned that first uh, summer of uh, 2021, we and doing all of that we did in Mexico, we learned uh, a little bit about how to do this better. So uh, we ended up in the fall of that year spending a month in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And, and you might wonder, well, what, what happened to the abroad people? So <laughs> what we do is we try to go to locations that actually appeal to uh, people that are looking for a place to live in retirement, whether it be abroad or in the States. And Lancaster, past couple of years, has really gone to the top of those lists of best places to retire. Plus, it was the fall of the year, and we thought it'd be really pretty to go. And so we rented we rented a place for a month there and really enjoyed it. And that was what made us understand how much time we needed in a place before we moved to the next place. Okay. And it's also usually less expensive to stay if it's at least a month, because then you're renting by the month instead of the day, right? Discounts normally kick in with Airbnb after a week. And then they are bigger discounts the longer you stay. So, yeah, it's worked out. And you can do the filters and all that sort of thing. Just say, I want to be within this price range. And mm-hmm. it would need to have a washing machine and this, that, and the other. So yeah. you can you don't waste a bunch of time. Well, a lot of people don't know that. And they just start scrolling through thousands of places. but That don't meet their needs. Yeah, when right, you get right. the hang of this, you learn how to quickly narrow it down to things that are places that you actually want to stay. So, yeah, that's the way we do the, the, the lodging part of it. Well, and periodically we go and visit our family. And so, uh, so far they haven't charged us rent. So, <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, this past summer we spent two and a half months in Europe. Wow. Where in Europe? Did you, did you mm-hmm. stay in one place for a month or did you travel all around Europe? No, that was when we realized for sure that it needed to be a month. We did um, Lisbon, Madrid, Bordeaux, Paris, London, and spent a week with our our son-in-law's parents on the coast of England before we came back. That was a big trip. Uh, That was a little bit different uh, than Mexico in that all the places we went in Mexico were potential expat destinations. Not so much in Europe. Yes, expats live in those places. Paris and London are a bit expensive for for most for, people. For our social security budget. But even there, we stayed in the suburbs and used the public transportation. So we weren't staying, you know, next to the Eiffel Tower, in other words. <laughs> right, right. Hmm. Okay, so can we get into some personal questions? Sure. Well, it depends on how personal. <laughs> well... You can tell me. You can tell me if it's too personal. But I'm sure that my listeners are trying to figure out, especially the ones that don't have a pension, Mm -hmm. they're trying to figure out, can I do this? Is this something that I can afford to do? So would you mind sharing? And I'm I'm pretty sure you have a little bit of outside income other than social security because you have your website and, and you write. Um, but would you mind sharing what your budget is per month and how you go about 
dividing up that money and whether there's money at the end, like, are you saving money or is it, here's everything that's coming in and we're spending a hundred percent of it. How does that work? All right. Let me real quickly, because of the, like you said, the readers, readers, listen to the listeners that, um, we're writers, sorry. Yeah, we have readers. <laughs> yeah, we get it. <laughs> the, the writers that are struggling with insufficient savings approaching retirement or already in retirement, that's the reason we went to Ecuador to begin with. I mean, if people listen to the past episode, they would know that. But for new listeners or ones that somehow can't remember our stimulating conversation three years ago, <laughs> <laughs> We got clobbered in 2008 with the Great Recession. Lost Both of us lost our careers. Our house lost two-thirds of its value. Our investments went to you-know-what. And um, sounds kind of like what's going on right now with the stock market. <laughs> you know? it's, a little, it's a little scary. Uh, you know, last year when all of that started happening and real estate prices were going through the roof, you know, we were like pinching each other thinking – We've already lived through this. Yeah, we've seen this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is a rerun. <laughs> but anyway, we couldn't make it work. And that's why we ended up moving abroad to start with to a lower cost of living because we had to. So that's an option that are out there it, that is out there for everyone listening. So fast forward to now. Now. We got, um, we got a raise. Yeah, Social Security, we just got our raise. Oh, so. wasn't that an awesome, giant raise? You know, It was for us because we don't live in inflationary places, but it, was, yeah. it didn't, even keep, didn't even keep up with what's going on in the States. Well, have you seen that meme that's going around right now? No. It's a, and if you're listening to this in 2030, listener, I'm sorry, but this is what's happening right now as we record this. It's a picture of a box with an egg in it, and it says he bought it at Kroger's. And basically, it's a takeoff on instead of a ring, you're going to get one egg or a box of eggs because they're so high inflation right now on food in the United States. It's funny you mentioned that because, and then we'll get to your question, but last visit to the States at the end of last year was the first time in the almost 13 years we've lived abroad that we really, really noticed the difference in the grocery store. We were like, whoa, Boar's Head, $18 a pound for what the? <laughs> it was the United States is the most expensive place we show up to buy food anywhere else that we've been. It was so. stunning. But back to your question. We have always, no matter what our income is outside, we always have a goal to live within our social security income and not even spend all of that. So our budget in Ecuador was around 2000 a month. Now with us traveling and we've got the extra expenses and we can talk later about how we're doing this for what I'm telling you, but we budget about 2,500 a month now because we're not staying in one place. The irony of, that is that the longer you stay in a place, the cheaper it is because one of your major expenses is getting there and leaving. The transportation. So when, you, when you hold still, it's not as expensive as if you keep moving. But anyway, that's the answer to your question about but two we, grand a month. But we we do not spend every penny. We do try to save some money, and we've gotten really good at 
finding ways to save on our living expenses. So I think Ed wants to talk about how we've discovered through actually our son helped us do this, how to use credit cards strategically to help us travel. Not I to- love using credit card points and miles, uh, bonus points. Yeah, not to accumulate debt. But <laughs> oh right, and I do the same thing. You know, I um, I actually did a bit of finagling so that I could get a free American Express Platinum card, mm-hmm. so that my last trip to Hawaii, which when I lived in San Diego, going to Hawaii was not that big of a deal. But now that I live in South Carolina, going to Hawaii is like going to a different country. It takes all day. And I wanted to get into the um, Delta and the American Express uh, travel clubs, you know, inside the airports. Right. And so I did this whole big thing. You know, I should probably publish that. I, I wrote an article and I never published how I did it, but it it took a bit of finagling, but I did it. And that doesn't have anything to do with getting free flights, but that did have, it's, it's a little bit different because I wasn't using points. I was doing something else, but I, it just tells you, I have the same mindset. I like doing things so that I can travel for free. Well, yeah, a lot of our accommodations, even Airbnb and Europe were paid for with points points that we accumulate. I didn't know Airbnb did that. It's gone now because (laughs) I just checked yesterday because we're doing some writing Mm -hmm. about credit cards. At the time that we got the, these chase cards, they had a pay yourself back. Oh. They, they still have that, but they had a special thing going with Airbnb where you got 1.25 points right. for for every point. So that was great. You would just book the Airbnb and then pull the points. <laughs> so it was terrific. I want to back up a minute. Um, the $2,000 a month that we were talking about, people that don't understand living abroad would think, my gosh, for $2,000 a month, what kind of a lifestyle could they have possibly had? And so I want to just quickly summarize what that lifestyle was that we gave up to do what we're doing now. We lived in a two-story penthouse apartment that was about 3,000 square feet. We had gym memberships, yoga studio memberships, spa treatments, fresh flowers, eating out all the time. We did not live a um, frugal lifestyle at all. Our rent when we moved there to begin with for that 3,000 square foot apartment was $600 a month. How much was it when you left? $700 a month. Oh, wow. And how much do you think it is right now? $700 a month. Oh, so it doesn't go up that, that much. That's amazing. The inflation monster that's devouring the north of the equator hasn't really hit, hasn't drifted south of the equator. It's, it's a little bit. But honestly, when you go to the grocery store and a head of broccoli is 80 cents instead of 75, you don't really get too upset about that. And in um, Ecuador and Cuenca, isn't a lot of it organic? Yeah, they don't. They don't spray things, right? It's mostly organic. Specifically with GMOs, those are forbidden in the Constitution. I remember that. Organic was pretty much unheard of when we arrived in 2010. But over the decade that we we lived there, oh my gosh, 
so many things we we saw happen and so many great changes. A whole section in the in the produce uh, department is devoted to organic organic goods, and and it's just uh, we were excited because our food that we bought at the grocery store just exploded in terms of choice and they always have the markets but we're talking about just a regular grocery store and we haven't found a better grocery store outside of ecuador in any other place we've been in europe in in europe there was one in latin america including here in buenos aires which is a huge city yeah the the grocery shopping here is far inferior to what we experience when we go back to Cuenca, it's like yeah. crazy. Yeah. Plus Cuenca has a 360 or Ecuador has a 365 day growing season. There is no season. Yeah, so right. you have fresh stuff all year long. So, so back to the budget. Did you want to, did you want to add anything else to that? I mean, it, it increased a little bit uh, over the time that we were there, but oh, not really, not really that much to where we were thinking, gosh, you know, we really can't afford this anymore. Well, our budget wasn't even 2000 to start with. It inched up over time right. as well. But, I mean, things like health insurance, PB, that's your thing. And we should talk about that for people considering moving abroad anyway. Medicare, you need to keep it. People, we've known people that opted out, and then they get something wrong with them and go back to the States. They got to opt back in and pay the penalties and all that stuff. And they can't just get in whenever they want. They've Exactly. So we've kept our Medicare, obviously, but we also are members of the Ecuador national healthcare system. And that means for us, and anybody that's a legal resident can register for that. You don't have to be a citizen or anything, and you get your residency like within 90 days. So we have 100% coverage, zero deductible, no restrictions for pre-existing or age, and another inflationary thing. When we first got it, it was for both of us combined about eighty-two dollars a month, and now it's gone all the way up to like eighty-eight. Oh no, that's really taken a bite out of your budget. But I mean, it's incredibly, and the care is good. It's, it's not good. like. We got a witch doctor that comes in and, and waves and smoke things <laughs> yeah. at us or whatever. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. A lot of English speaking physicians, good hospitals in in the in the major cities. Now you're not going to find that out in a rural area, but you don't find great care in rural areas in the U.S. either. So it's uh, we've and we've used the healthcare over ten years. You know, we've needed it, and we're so happy to have it. Hmm. How long do you think you're going to travel? So you've increased your budget from 2000 to 2500 a month. How long do you think you're going to do that? Are you going to go back to Cuenca, or do you think when you're done with this traveling, you're going to maybe go back to the United States? What's going to happen? You know, everybody wants to know that, especially our kids. And the answer is that we're not quite sure what we're going to do. We're just sort of making this up as we go. But what we do know is that at some point we will tire of this probably and we'll want to feel more settled. But while we're still healthy and active, this is it's kind of like if we're ever going to do it, now is the time to do it. And honestly, as we've gotten the hang of this, like I said, our first shot at it in Mexico, it was fine, but it was 
harder than it needed to be, but we're fairly perceptive people and we've just adjusted and it's gotten considerably easier. We're just used to it now, so to speak. Yeah. So we don't know, but the, the state's part, probably not from, I mean, just how could we give up the lifestyle that we've enjoyed for 13 years and go back and try to live on a social security income in the States or even that plus the, the money that we make outside, it just would be such a, a downgrade. Plus the other thing is not just the money. It's the, we like the culture. We like uh, so many things about uh, living and and visiting different countries. And it's just so interesting. It, it makes our life even more interesting. So uh, it, it isn't just about the money. No, you're right. I mean, we live a real present moment existence now. And when we go back and visit our family, if it's like three weeks or more between the two families, we start getting a little edgy. Well, it's you not, know, it's you not. get caught up in the energy. It's a different energy in the States. Well, and it's not just because of being with our family. No, it's not it's the just, family. It's being back in the North American culture. It's uh, We notice how stressful it is. And, a little bit of it's the family. Well... <laughs> <laughs> But they have little kids, you know, that's a whole different energy in, in a household than when you're retired or in, in empty nesters or whatever. So, you know, stress is a real thing and, and it's uh, stress is highly contagious in communities and countries. And we just sort of like the muy tranquilo, laid back lifestyle. I think it contributes to a longer, healthier life. Well, plus, Kathy, I'm just thinking it out loud with you now. We've really become increasingly Goldilocks people weather-wise. The longer we've been out there, we don't like it too hot and we don't like it too cold. And your former home is one of the only places that has the kind of weather that we would like. But it's hard to live on Social Security in San Diego. <laughs> the only reason we wouldn't go to But, but I don't there, think we could. I mean, it's really, you know. California is just not our thing, period. But well, um, you you could you could uh, just set up shop at the beach, you know. You could just uh, <laughs> camp on the beach, and that would be a way to afford San Diego. But even then, San Diego is just outrageous. But I I'm with you. When I first moved to South Carolina, you know, I had come from pretty much perfect weather, and where I live, everybody thinks the weather's perfect here because they're all coming from you know Michigan, Ohio, New York, right. and. The fact that it doesn't snow, they're happy that they're not shoveling snow. Well, you know, I'm I'm upset when I can't wear my flip flops outside because it's forty <laughs> degrees. You know, and and then during the summer, it's I don't know is it Cuenca? I don't know if the weather is more like San Diego or where I live because here it's eighty five in the summer, but it is ninety percent humidity and it is hot. Well, we lived in Charleston for six years, and so we know. We know that humidity, and we, we spent most of our life before that, uh, well, all of our life together in Atlanta, Georgia. But living living close to the close to the coast, you're going to get that humidity, and it's just, it, it's like wearing a wet blanket all the time. <laughs> so it's not like that in Cuenca where you're, no. No, Cuenca's, where you're now from? No, Cuenca's at 8,400 feet. So that's why it has spring-like weather, even though it's on the equator, because you think... 65, 70 degrees, right? Yeah, when you think think of the equator, 
the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, it must be hot as hell there. And it is on the on the lower elevations, mm -hmm. but the Andes runs right down the middle of the country. And for the places that are in the Andes, you get the same weather wherever you are. It just depends on the elevation. If you're low, it's hot all the time. Yeah. If you're high, it's moderate all the time. So there are a lot of microclimates in Ecuador. Right. So if you want heat, you go to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? If you want it to be hot, you go to the beach. And that's where it should be hot, at the beach. So you can wear a bathing suit. You can go to the jungle also in Ecuador because the Amazon's on the eastern part. Yeah. But the reason I was bringing that up is because there's, beyond the money, there's no place in the States weather-wise we really want to live, to tell you the truth, yeah. full-time at least. See, we would have to escape anyway. That's kind of, well, for economic reasons, and the weather, that's why we're in Argentina right now in Buenos Aires, because it's summer here. So we left to escape North America's winter. And no matter where we end up, we will we will try not to do winter anywhere. <laughs> smart. <laughs> Very smart. Okay, now I have one last question, which I know is on the minds of the listener. And that is, you left your grandkids. So that must just still be tugging at your heart. Now, I know that during COVID, you you were online with them. But how do you deal with leaving your grandkids? I don't have grandchildren. I don't have children. So for me, it'd be really easy to pick up and leave. Much more difficult for people with children and potential grandchildren. That's. I'm glad you brought that up because when we made the decision to move to Ecuador, we did not have grandchildren. We thought that eventually our kids would have kids, and they did. But that that's really tough for a lot of people. And this expat lifestyle, if you have really close family ties and you see your grandchildren all the time, you live in the same neighborhood or close by or whatever. And, and that's something that's really an important part of your constant life rather than just visiting. Then I, I don't think that would probably work out for you, but our kids, one, one of them lives in North Carolina. One of them lives in New Jersey we were living in Las Vegas before we went to Ecuador. So we would have to travel no matter what to see our grandkids. And chances are we wouldn't live in, how would we pick, you know? We would just pick somewhere in between and shuttle back and forth to visit them. Anyway, that's, that's something that is difficult for a lot of people. And that's why we didn't go anywhere travel wise well, except to those two no, we went a few places well we traveled on. we traveled a few we did a few trips but over that decade uh mostly our trips were to see our family and grandchildren and because we were retired we could stay for weeks at a time and that really that really was important for us to do that and for them to make sure that they actually knew who we who we were so there are ways to do it. That's part of the soul searching you have to do if you're if you're considering this lifestyle. But if you're already living far from your grandkids mm -hmm. and traveling to get to them, it's just a longer flight. Exactly. Right? It's a travel day one way or the other. Yeah. And I mean, 
we talk a lot about how snowbirds, you're talking about the people that move from Michigan or whatever, the, the Canadians or wherever, they go to Arizona and Florida for those months in the winter, right? They could just fly another hour or two and be in Costa Rica or someplace Somewhere. really, I hate to say it, but more interesting with a different <laughs> culture and different food and have an adventure instead of just going to the same place you go every year. Well, it's, it's and cheaper too. Well, and there are more expats in Mexico than anywhere else in the world. And so that's not, that's not a long flight to get to most anywhere in Mexico. I mean, it's a huge country, but there's so much diversity there. We I may have considered Mexico had we known about the diversity and they have a great climate uh, they also have highlands and they have temperate climate. It's not all just, you know, sweating bullets all the time. Uh, it depends on where you are. Hmm. Are you thinking about moving from Ecuador to Mexico now? Well, we well. we we really <laughs> no, we really like San Miguel de Allende when we were there last year. In fact, we spent our 50th anniversary there on purpose because it seemed like yeah. such a magical place, and it really was. So we enjoyed. That very much. We also very much enjoyed Medellin, Colombia, where we were at the end of last year. It was unexpectedly wonderful, really. Uh-huh. And people are like, oh, Colombia and the drugs and weren't you yeah. scared? And that's just so in the 80s. You know, they're still <laughs> just the same as Mexico. It's a big yeah. country, but you just don't go to places where the that stuff's going on. Right. So we just, that's part of what we're doing, Kathy. When we go to these places, we could live in Bordeaux. We could live in Lisbon. We like both of those yeah. very, very much. So we, we scout these places we go, and we, we're asking ourselves constantly, is this a place where we could stay longer? Or, you know, would we want to be there longer? And I think that we decided after being in Colombia, we would go back to Colombia. We really liked it. We actually know people there. And we would stay a little bit longer in a different part of the city. So we're always thinking about where we would enjoy being for more than a few weeks or a month. Yeah, and we do it for our followers and subscribers, too, because, as you know, we have a website and we have a program that teaches people how to do, not the traveling, we don't have a program about traveling full-time, but how to move out of the country. So we're doing it for them as well, and we blog about it and write reports about it and all that sort of thing. So it's for us and for them that we that we do what we're doing. It's just, I mean, Cynthia was saying we're kind of making this up. <laughs> well, we are. Here, see if this sounds like making it up. We know we're here until the first week of March. We know we're going back to see our New family Jersey. in New Jersey, see our family. We know we're going to Washington, D.C. for a week to do the cherry blossom thing there. That's, that's one of, Yeah, it's kind of my a, a bucket list thing for me. For Cynthia. And beyond that, which takes us into April, we don't have a clue where we're going <laughs> next. <laughs> I love it. We're, well... <laughs> No, we haven't even talked about it yet. Yeah. Well, that's that's fantastic. I'd love to have you come back on the show. So we'll talk about that offline. But we are getting to the end of our time together. So why don't you tell the listener how to find you, how to find your course on how to do what, you know, how to leave the country if if that's what you want to do. And 
how to, if you're on social media, where to find you there? Well, if they just go to the website, all the rest of it takes care of itself. And it's it's our name, edandcynthia.com. The ad's with two Ds, but if you leave out one of the Ds, it'll redirect you anyway. So, <laughs> because it's an odd spelling. Yeah, so once you get to the website... Then, uh, you know, just the tabs across the top, the program, it's, it's uh, pretty, pretty easy to navigate. Talks a little bit about uh, our story and encourage people to click on the Meet Us so they can read some of our backstory and uh, find out all about the program. And then our, our online store uh, has some reports for, for sale that are pretty inexpensive to give you more information, uh, background information about moving abroad and living abroad. And uh, yeah, they can subscribe to the blog and just keep up with what's going on. We got one coming out in two days about going to the San Telmo Sunday market here in Buenos Aires last week. So it's just, it's all there and they can connect with the Facebook and all that sort of thing from that site. It's If they can remember just edandcynthia.com, then like I said, the rest is all there. Yeah, we need to talk about something next time that's really interesting. Geo-arbitrage. Do you know that term? Geo-arbitrage. Why don't you explain what that is just for a moment? And that'll be our, what do you call it when you're tickling somebody to watch the next episode? I forget what they call that, but that'll be our little tickle. We're going to do a trailer. Um, (laughs) Basically, living abroad the way we're talking about is geo-arbitrage. What it means is going from one place to another where it's cheaper. But people do it in daily life all the time. If you are going to cook out steaks this weekend and you get a flyer in your mailbox and you see that steaks are on sale at a store that's a little further away than where you normally shop, if you drive to that store instead of your local Kroger, You've practiced geo-arbitrage. If you move from the city to the suburbs because it's too expensive in the city, that's geo-arbitrage. But So when you're doing it from one country to another, that's a further extension of it. But the double part of it that we can talk about more next time is when you combine a place that's cheaper to start with, with a place where their currency is taking a beating against the U.S. dollar, like where we are right now, Argentina, anybody that wants to come, it's a 50% off sale right now. <laughs> Seriously, a, a steak dinner okay. is $7. Okay, wrap wow. Uh, yes. <laughs> so your money goes even further. Further, when you go to a country that's cheaper to start with and then – double down by going to a place where the currency is not doing well against the U.S. dollar. So there you go. Well, I can't wait until our next conversation. We definitely cannot wait another three, four years. We have to do this much, much sooner. And thanks again for coming on the show. And for the listener, we'll see you next time on The Rock, Your Retirement Show. Bye. Bye -bye. Bye Bye-bye.